Hello and welcome to the River and Panhandle's weekly podcast. We are so excited that you are tuning in for this week's message. Before we get started, there are a few things that we would love for you to do. Share it, subscribe, and rate the podcast. So the message is about to begin. We hope that you are encouraged and that you always remember, no role is insignificant. Every life matters and go out and make a difference. fireworks, the food, the family, by far. I mean, it's better than Christmas to me. get to go out there and set off explosives. And so it's nice to be able to come up here and preach during that time. Uh, And it's a little different because, you know, America is founded on this principle of freedom. I mean, it's a great thing that we have here. This country was founded on this idea that I can come here and I can be free and I can practice things that I couldn't practice over there and righteousness and goodness. And so that has been evolving through time. Until we're here today. And for me personally, there's a little told story in my family that's handed down from generation to generation. If y'all remember the Mayflower, the Mayflower came over to the New World and they established Thanksgiving because the pilgrims came over. Well, if you read the history books, there were actually two ships that took part in that adventure. There was the Mayflower and the Speedwell. Well, apparently nobody prayed over the Speedwell because as they got out to sea, it sprung a leak. They had to go back to England. Now, England was kicking people out. There was a Puritan revival going on, a Protestant reformation going on. And so they were leaving that to come to America to practice religious freedoms. And so that boat had to turn right back around and go back and face those folks. And apparently, according to family legend, part of my family was on that boat, so we didn't get to come. But we had to go back and face these guys. In fact, the religious intensity was so bad, uh, one of my ancestors is actually a pastor, and they ended up taking his life because he wouldn't convert to the Church of England. And that's the nice thing about America is we were founded as a place where we can celebrate those freedoms. And it's a nice thing for me to go back and see that in my family history because I know that there's a DNA in here that strives not only for freedom, but also freedom in Christ. And so I have that in my heritage, in my upbringings, and it's nice to look back on that and say, that's who I am. That's what I'm about. Because they had that choice, I also have that choice. If you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, this also becomes part of your DNA. Every story in here told is part of our heritage. This is a story of our people through the times, all the way from the beginning of time until right now. So every story in this book is part of your DNA. It's part of who you are. It's part of your character. And it's nice to have that because it gives us a sense of identity. It gives us a sense of purpose. It gives us a value knowing that we weren't just created just to wake up one day and go walking through the trees. We were created on purpose and for purpose. And so every story in here evolves into a place of freedom where because I have this, I can be free. And so that's what I'd like to talk about over these next three weeks is that freedom we have in Jesus Christ. So if you'll bow your heads right quick. Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you for all the folks that are gathered up here and the opportunity just to do this. We know that your word promises us where two or more are gathered in my name, there I shall be. And so, Lord, we just thank you for being here. We just ask that those people that are going on to celebrate with their families today have the most magnificent time they've ever had in their life. And as we celebrate the 4th of July, we thank you for that freedom. We thank you for those people who have fought for those freedoms, those people who have established those freedoms as a way of life for us. And we just thank you for that. And we say, we love you, and thank you for loving us. In Jesus' holy name, amen. 
And so through this process of working out this freedom and what that means and what I want to talk about today, I'd like to set on a couple verses and be that the focus of what we talk about. And that focus is in Luke 4, Luke 4, starting in verse 18. If you don't know much about Luke, if you remember back, Luke is not one of the original disciples. He wasn't one of the original apostles called. Jesus didn't look off in a tree and say, hey, Luke, come follow me. Luke was actually a convert. He was established in theory in, uh, because Paul was out uh, uh, evangelizing to the Greeks and to the Gentiles. And so along those ways, he found Luke. Now, the significant thing about Luke is Luke was a doctor. And so Luke, just like every doctor, you may not be able to read it through their handwriting. They have certain details, right? They go for certain details, and they're very methodical about the way they do. So Luke went and investigated this thing called Jesus Christ. And that's how we got the Gospel of Luke. So if you look at the Gospel of Luke, it's not written from a Hebrew perspective. It's written from a Gentile perspective, somebody who found Jesus just like us, after that religion was founded. It's also from the point that he's a doctor, and so he includes details where the other Gospels don't. And in this particular verse, he expands on that just a little bit. And so in this verse, we pick this up with Jesus coming out of the wilderness. He went into the wilderness for 40 days, and he came out. And Luke kind of implies he came straight out of that period of testing and straight to the church. They handed him a scroll, and in that scroll, Jesus opens it up, and it's in Isaiah. So this passage in Luke 4.18 is actually Jesus quoting Isaiah, and now Luke quoting Jesus and Isaiah. And whoever knows that when a teacher mentions something more than once, there's usually a test on the subject, right? So a very important verse is happening here because it's mentioned by three different people. And so he opens up the scroll of Isaiah, and he reads this. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim the release of the captives, recovery of the sight of the blind, and to set free those who are oppressed to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. That's a pretty powerful voice. Usually when we just talk about Jesus, Jesus came to take away my sin. We don't much talk about that fact that Jesus came to make me free. And so in this verse, there's a couple things happening. When Jesus was in the wilderness, Satan looked at him and said, Hey, if you'll bow down and serve me, I'm going to give you all this territory. Jesus said no. And so Jesus comes to this passage, and this passage is specifically about the Messiah. He picks it up and says, this is my verse. This is about me. This is who I am. And notice the difference. He doesn't pick up the scrolls and start beating people. Hey, I'm great God Almighty. I'm here to punish you for your sins. He doesn't come out and say, come over here and worship me. He says, I'm here to set you free. I'm here to bring you into freedom, the release of the captives. What we'd like to call in modern terms, he became a servant leader. He's going to lead by serving. And he's going to take us into these places where we were held captive. And so Jesus also lays out a mission. In picking this up, he also like, says what we like to use in the popular vernacular mission statement. He says, this verse is about me. I'm taking ownership of this. And this is what my ministry is going to be about. I was anointed to preach the gospel to the poor, to proclaim the release of the captives and recovery of the sight of the blind, to free those who are oppressed. And so there's a difference in who this Jesus is. There's a difference in what this Jesus is about. And it's worth celebrating because this is a man who came to not only take away our sins, but also to set us free. God, for God so loved the world, he sent his son. Well, what does that love look like? That love looks like Jesus getting us free, breaking us off, getting us out of oppression, taking us out of those places that hold us in bondage. 
It also allows us to be something else. It allows us to become something else. Because if he sets us free, I can get back in the fight. I can get back in the fight. If he sets us free, I can focus my mind in different directions. If I can get free, I can go in all these other places because I don't burden down by this. I'm not held captive by that. And so it sets us into a motion that, just like royalty does in the back, teaching us that we're kings and queens, that we have value, that we have potential. And because of that, we can do more with our lives than we previously thought. We're not held in bondage. And so I'm going to do something a little different. <clears throat> Usually a pastor will take you through and just give you verses point by point and make points about that. I'm going to give you all the verses up front and come back and we'll talk about them and reference them through the rest of the morning. And so if you don't have your Bibles and you don't flip, it's going to be a lot of transitions, but we'll try to find them up here on the Sky Bible. Jesus says in John 8.36, John 8.36, Jesus says, If the Son makes you free, you are free indeed, Right? If you are free, if he makes you free, you are free indeed. Later, Paul kind of echoes the same statements. In Galatians 5.1, he says, it was for freedom that Christ set us free. It was for freedom. I mean, he wants us to experience that freedom. Paul says, therefore, keep standing firm and do not be subject again to the yoke of slavery. Stand firm and don't become subject to that yoke again. Paul says over again in 1 Corinthians 6.12, he says this, he says, all things are lawful for me, but not all things are profitable, right? All things are lawful, but not all things are profitable. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be mastered by any of them. So pretty powerful verses about what freedom means. Pretty powerful verses about what Jesus did and how that echoes through the ages. And so we'll jump back to the beginning real quick. Luke 4.18 there's a particular word in there that Isaiah, like I said, this verse is originally in Isaiah, that Isaiah uses. He says, he sent me to proclaim the release of the captives. And that word captives has a different meaning than I think that sometimes we give it. Because if you actually break that down, like I said, Luke was a Greek, and he, this was established in the Greek, and I don't know if I gave Tanner that for the Sky Bible, but it's a word that I can't pronounce. I don't know how to pronounce that word. But it means a captive in war. That word... He sent me to release the captives. If you break that down in the Greek, it means properly a captive of war. That means there's a war going on. You know it, I know it, and it's not some far off war that we can't see or read about in the newspaper every day and go back to work. It's a war that embroils us personally. It's a war that surrounds this community. It's a war that invades our congresses. It invades our politicians, our financial systems. It's constantly be going on. Because what happened in the beginning was Satan popped up and says, I will become all-powerful and all-great. And God said, no. And so Satan got kicked out of heaven. And those forces of darkness were constantly coming against them back then as they do against us today. Those darknesses trying to influence our politics, trying to influence our ways of life, trying to influence those around us. And Jesus said, I came to take you out of those conflicts and bring you into a new place. I came to bring you out of those conflicts and actually set you inside my kingdom, my kingdom of light, that we might push back the darkness. Because that war continues to cause consequences, not only for us, because if we get back in bondage again, that's a whole other situation. But there's also people around us in bondage. And so what's this bondage? That bondage is most often around sin, right? Now, a couple starting places. Number one, if you've been baptized into Jesus Christ and been forgiven of your sins, you're forgiven. 
Jesus says you're forgiven. You seek him for redemption. He forgives you for those places. And it's nice to have that grace. Because sometimes we get out here and we think, how did I get this far? Dear God, save me. And so we have that grace upon us to get back to whole, get back to that place. But there's people still walking amongst us, living in those places, enticing us, trying to pull us into those places. How do you escape that? The idea is knowing who you are, knowing who I am, knowing that I'm a child of God, and because he set me free, I'm free, so I don't have to partake in any of those things, right? And so if you've never known Jesus Christ as your Lord and personal Savior, if you're still existing in some of those places that you can't get out of, reach out to us. We would love to show you this Jesus Christ that sets people free. Take you out of those bondages so that you can engage life in a different direction. Because that's the problem with sin. It leads into bondage because once you're doing this, you're doing this. And before you know it, you're in over your neck in a place that you had no idea you could get into, right? And so Jesus came to pull us out of those places so that we can have life and life more abundantly. It's kind of like a war. Nobody wakes up one day and says, hey, Jim, fire up the tanks. We're going to go to war. Nobody does that. It starts with these minor conflicts. Somebody's got envy. There's some strife over here. There's some judgment over here. There's this guy over here that wants more land. There's a person over here that got their feelings hurt. And so they all get together, and all of a sudden we're in a war. It's like sin. There's these minor things that come along before we're in an all-out sin thing. Jesus was talking to all the people gathered around him in Matthew 5. And he's talking about that sin thing. He says, it's not so much that you murder somebody, but what about the hate in your heart? What about the anger that comes from that hate? we got to deal with that. Remember that phrase, that place in your heart. He says, it's not so much that you slept with another man's husband or another uh, woman's uh, husband or another man's wife. It's that you had that lust and you saw with your eyes and then you began with your hands and taking things that weren't yours. Jesus says, it's those things, I mean, but there's these smaller things that lead us into that path. On the flip side of that, he was talking to the Pharisees. He says, you guys are great about keeping the laws. You know every commandment. I mean, you even tithe your mint and your dill. But what about these other graces of the law? What about these other mercies involved in justice? Why aren't we picking those things up? And so just like Pastor Tory mentioned in the opening, our, our soul man wages against those things. And we say, well, I like that, and I like that. I, what they're doing over here, that looks fun. That looks like a good time. But our, our spirit man says, no, because I belong to Jesus Christ, right? Our spirit man has to be fed. And that's part of the reason getting together on church is so important on Sundays, is because we can get together and we can celebrate each other and break each other out of those yokes. And so going back to that heart thing, we've heard that before, right? That heart thing. It's all over the media. This whole gun violence thing, it's already popped into your mind, right? You can legislate the heck out of my guns, but people are still going to kill each other. It's a heart problem. We've seen that all over the Facebook. We've seen that all over the TikToks or whatever it is. Take away my guns, people are still going to hurt each other. It's a heart problem. Going back to those passages, that's what Jesus said. I celebrate what the Supreme Court did in Washington last week. Celebrate it. It's beautiful, wonderful. You can legislate the heck out of abortion. It's still a heart problem. It's a problem we were meant to encounter and take life into because those places we can take people out of. If we get free of this bondage, just like any war, I can get back on the front lines. I can get re-engaged 
And that's an important place to be is the Christ's body is as these things transition in time. I, I can become something more. I can do something more with my life because I was in this place and now I'm not. I'm going to hurt somebody's feelings. So I apologize. I'm going to pick on somebody's favorite. Alcohol. Bear with me. Bear with me. Just bear with me. I don't dislike alcohol, but there's some things I think sometimes we get trapped into. And that's a place where you remember back when you first took that drink. For most of us, it was probably walking up and a friend says, here, drink this. And we think, oh, God, why? They say, drink it. It gets better. It gets better, right? And so, yeah, I know it's not a sin. I know it's, the Bible doesn't say drinking is a sin, but stay with me. But what happens in that exchange is I want his approval. I want her approval. That's a nice guy. That's a beautiful woman. I want to be just like them. I want friends. I hate rejection. And so I take those drinks in hopes of winning their approval, winning man's approval, getting into places where people accept me. And then it becomes a whole other subject because I don't need their approval. I don't, I've walked these steps. I don't need their acceptance. I can be who I am and not do what they do. But it only comes after I pick up this freedom in Jesus Christ. I can walk in places a whole different way now because of who I am. You're drinking and having a good time. God bless you. I just don't do that or I don't do that as much. And see, it becomes a whole other thing. It's not just the drunkenness and the alcohol. It's the, why are we doing it? Why did we pick it up in the first place? I don't need their acceptance. I got Jesus Christ, and sometimes it's a lonely place. Sometimes it doesn't feel so good because I want to be doing stuff and having a good time. I want to be out there. I mean, just like all those TV commercials show with the boats and the fast cars, but I don't need any of that stuff, man. I just don't. I mean, it'd be fun, but because it cost me something else. It cost me my identity under the name of Jesus Christ. But once I pick up that identity and I realize who I am, I'm able to walk into places more confident and more secure that I don't have to be like you. I can still be with you, have fun with you, hang out with you. And I know the Bible doesn't say drinking's a sin. And like I said, I'm not against alcohol. But it also says, Paul told Timothy, have a little wine for your stomach's sake. Jesus went to a wedding and turned water into wine. But he didn't go to weddings every Friday night. There's also the problem that Solomon says it's good for a man to eat, drink, and be merry from the labors. So somewhere in there you have to work out your truth with this subject. But the whole point of it is, is we allow these sins to come upon us and they start stealing our identity. They start taking us back and we're like, well, how did I get here? And that's where Jesus walks in and says, I'm here to take you out of bondage. I'm here to take away the sting of death. I'm here to take you into places you could never imagine because you chose to take my hands and I'm bringing you up out of that pit. You're my child. God so loved you that he sent Jesus Christ to you. Jesus Christ loved you so much that he went to the cross to take away that sting of death so that we can have a better life, so we can live a more fulfilling life. Because that's where the bondage comes in. Those places drag us in the places we have never had a business to go in the first place. But once we pick up those identities, that's a whole other ballgame, right? That's a whole other ballgame. I can live confidently. I can live in a place where God says he will never leave you or forsake you. I can live in a place where it says I'm with you to the end of the age. And because of that, I also sent my spirit who is with you and lives in you. 
And I've walked in those places. I've hated people. I've disliked people. I was that guy that took a drink and, and didn't stop drinking after that. I was that guy. Been there, done that, got the t-shirt. Don't want the t-shirt no more. I mean, you can burn that sucker. It seemed too much. And, and God lifted me up out of that and said, you're this guy. This is who I created you to be. This is who the world needs you to be. Because that's what I created you for. Some young people think, well, you know, I want those experiences too. You don't. There's memories I wish I never had. There's places I walked that I wish I'd never walked. And the nice thing about it is after accepting Jesus Christ, he took that and he did something with it and gave me a better place. And that's the reason why I love the gift of prophecy, the gift of prophecy of speaking over people and breathing life into people is because it took those people to come alongside of me and say, you're this, you're this, you're this, you're not that guy. You're a guy who can set this world into a different place. You're a person who believes in justice. You're a person who believes in mercy. You're a person who believes in grace. You're right. I love justice. I love mercy. I love grace. And so opening those places up allowed me to become different and allowed me to transform into a better place. And that's Pastor Matt was talking about last week, the gifts of the Spirit, picking up those things. Those are the weapons of our warfare. The Bible doesn't do a whole lot of saying, use this tool in this circumstance. It says, here's the gifts, go out and be prosperous. So we have those gifts to, lead, live, to lift each other up, to encourage each other up. Because going back to the war, the war's still out there. You know what I'm talking about. You've probably encountered it all along the way. Why is life so hard? Because there's a war going on. They want you to be on their team. They want you to forget who you are. Because if you forget who you are, then everything's off the table, or everything's on the table, depending how you look at it. If I can drag you to this side of the field and say now that you don't understand who you are, all things are legal. Going back to what Paul said, all things are legal, but not all things are profitable, right? I can engage in ways, but doesn't mean I'm going to get some good returns out of that situation. And then he goes on to say, I won't be mastered by any of them. That's the old life. That's the old me. I'm not succumbing to those things anymore because I got some freedom. Jesus came to set the captives free. I was a captive, and he set me free. And because of that, my life is so much more better. My heart is so much more peace. I don't have to have those other things that used to take the place of Jesus Christ. I don't have to have those other things that took the place of great God Almighty in my heart. And that's the beautiful thing about this freedom is we can go out today and tomorrow and celebrate. Maybe not today because there's still a... Is this like a burn man? I don't know. But I love to fire off rockets. But you can go out and fire off rockets in Jesus' name. I can go off and shoot off Roman candles and say I'm not only celebrating freedom, but I'm celebrating freedom for Jesus Christ. You ever fired off a rocket in Jesus Christ's name? Change your life. It will change your 4th of July. Just do it safely. You need all your fingers and toes in this game. But that's the wonderful thing about it. In the Old Testament, there's a couple different stories where it said the sons of so-and-so saw the daughters of so-and-so were good, so they went and took them. They, and nothing ever crossed their mind that that didn't belong to them. Nothing ever didn't cross their mind that they had good enough back home. Nothing ever crossed their mind that that belonged to somebody else. They just took them. Created a great problem in the Old Testament. David was the same way. And Jesus and I are going to have to talk about this when we get with the heaven. But David was the same way. He's out there on a... Big giant palace, he's got this whole thing to himself. 
Ooh, what's that? There's a girl down there bathing. Hey, can you invite her back to my house? I really need to see her. And so somehow she gets back to the kingdom, and David doesn't say, hey, I saw you down there bathing, because that'd be creepy, right? That'd be like somebody peeping on you. We don't need that. He says, look at this house. It's beautiful. He says, not as beautiful as you. And look at all that gold. Well, that gold pales in comparison to how beautiful you are. I mean, that's the, that's the stuff he put on her. And before you know it, they're over here doing their thing. Nobody stopped to think that that woman belonged to somebody else. And it wasn't just somebody else. I mean, that was a captain in his army. That was a dude that went out and fought and led other people to fight for him. Nobody stopped to say, wait a minute. That didn't belong to him. He just took it. She didn't stop either. She didn't say, no, I have a husband back home, and he's a good man, and he fights for you. She didn't say that either. But David then even took it a level notch. I mean, he went full-blown National Enquirer. He had his whole army conspire to kill this man so that she wasn't married anymore. I mean, that's like stuff you see on true crime TV. I mean, that's scandalous, grimy stuff. He forgot who he was. She forgot who she was. And in that moment, God came down and said, hey, listen, that wasn't right. And so David repented because David was a man after God's own heart. He knew when he had done wrong. And he accepted that and he took the punishment for that. Now, unfortunately, it, it, it punished his entire country. If it can happen to David and Bathsheba, is his name Bathsheba? I'm supposed to be up here knowing all the names and I just forgot it. Holy cow. If it can happen to them, it can happen to us. In just a blink of an eye. And so that's the reason why picking up the identity is so important. That's the other reason that not living, and I think Pastor Tori mentioned this too, not living in that place where you're hurt because of the sin you committed is also important. For a lot of Christians, we commit sins and then we live in this place of, well, I did that so I can't do this. You guys are having fun over there, but I did this way in my past and I, I can't be a part of that. It's not true because Jesus came to set you free. Jesus came to not only set you free, but get you free. And that's what Paul means when he says, stand firm. If it can happen to them, it can happen to us. And that's the beauty about it, is I can set down that shame at the feet of Jesus and say, great God Almighty, free at last, free at last. And that's beautiful. I mean, that's the nice thing about this faith is Jesus loves me. And if I keep seeking him, if I keep walking in that place, I'm going to get better. I'm hopefully going to be a better husband than I was last week. I'm going to be a better father than I was last year. I'm going to be a better Christian. Not because I believe in this law and this law and this law and this law. It's because I love Jesus Christ. And I want to do what brings his kingdom joy. And I want to do what brings my family goodness. And I want to do what brings this church into growth. And so I'm going to keep seeking him so that those places in my life get free. Not just me getting free, but my kids. Because that war rages against them. I mean, oh, sweet Jesus, God bless you kids. You guys are growing up in a time. The weight is so imaginable, unimaginable. And so I pray for your release. I pray for your freedom. I pray that you walk with greater strength than I ever could. I pray that you walk in places in valor and in integrity of knowing that you are kings and queens and that you have value, that you have merit, that you have weight because you're going to need it because the war is fierce until Jesus makes the enemies a footstool under the king's feet. That war is fierce and they've got to have you in the battle. You know, it's a nice thing about this church 
I don't know how to say this in a proper fashion. I don't want to offend you, but there's older people in this church. They've seen a few things. They've done, seen a few things. And they're still here today. And your voice is so important because your standard and your example leads us into places that we have never experienced. The things that you've seen, the things in the way that you champion kids and look after people's hearts is something we so sorely need as young men and young women and even younger men and young women. Your leadership and your guidance makes this place have a stern that, or a, a rudder that takes us into the storm. So thank you for being here. I mean, it's hard to believe with these pastor changes that some of these folks have been here through all of that and they still stay firm to this church because that's the reason this church matters. This church is a place where we raise our kids. This church is a lighthouse, not only in Panhandle, but Groom, White Deer, and Fritch. It's not only just a church. It's a place where families come to get relief. It's a place where families come to get stronger. And so it's something that has to live, and it's something that has to thrive. And your guidance helps make this church worth it. Those of you here today, your encouragement matters to those around you. And we've talked about this before. Your encouragement to those around you makes the world a better place because I know that I come to a place where people love Jesus. And we may not see eye to eye. We may not understand some of the things, but we're still for each other. At the end of the day, we're still for each other because we're all singing the same name of Jesus. And so thank you for being that person. I'd like to call the worship team up. Speaking of the worship team, just a small pause. The leader of our worship team, Bray Faust and Ashley, she's due to have her baby today. So we're going to pray in Jesus' name that she's healed and that baby comes out and there's no pain and there's no labor. And if he gets up and runs out, it's because she is going to have a baby. So God bless you guys. That's awesome. Also, while they're coming up here, if you are the parent of somebody in our military, or our police forces, God be with you and bless you. There's a story about George Washington, and George Washington loved Jesus. George Washington, the Native Americans, had this story about him, the great white father, that he would go into battle and no bullets would ever hit him. He would lead his armies from the front and never get hit by an arrow or a bullet. They were afraid of that dude. Now, not only that, but he went from being the general of an army to being the president of the United States. And so I pray the same favor over your children, that wherever they go, no bullet comes near them. Nothing, no arrow finds them by day or night. That's my prayer for your kids, because if he can do it for George Washington, he can do it for our kids. He can do it for us. And so God bless you for supporting them and loving them. But I'd like to read this over you before we close out. When the fullness of the time had come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as children. And because you are children, God sent forth the spirit of his son into our hearts that were crying out, Abba, Father. We were in captivity, crying out for a savior, and Jesus came. We were lost in the depths of darkness of sin, lost with no hope of salvation. But God himself reached down into that depravity and plucked us from destruction and seated us in heavenly places. He grafted us into a covenant and set us free in our slavery and made us his sons and daughters. You were born again of the incorruptible seed of the word of God. The incorruptible seed of the word of God.
You are God's workmanship, a new creature in Christ. You are an overcomer. You are a doer of the word, a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation that's been set apart to do God's work. You are his ambassador. You are the head and not the tail. You will always be above and never underneath. You are submitted to God and the devil must flee because you cast him out in Jesus' name. You are free from oppression. Fear doesn't come near you. You are delivered from the power of darkness, the power and darkness of sin and hell. You are free. And just like my king before me, I will get free and I will walk free that others may have that freedom. Happy Freedom Day. And that's this week's message. We hope that you are encouraged and inspired. If you would like to join our online campus and experience the service as it happens live, go follow us on Facebook or YouTube by searching The River in Panhandle, Texas. Have an amazing and blessed week.